0: want to save lives? Welcome back to the Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hamilton, an interventional radiologist located in the desert outside of Los Angeles, California. How are you doing? I'm sorry it's been a while since I published an episode, but March was a crazy busy month. With Women's History Month and the SIR national meeting, I had multiple presentations, which is a really new development for me. So it actually made my head spin at times. And with the virtual platforms involved, there was a bit of nervousness that things would go well tech-wise. I'm really thankful to say I survived and contributed a ton this past month, and now I'm back. So uh, I hope you got to enjoy some of those uh, events that I was at and some events related to Women's History Month. Did you have a chance to make it to the society of interventional radiology meeting membership is free for students and it's heavily discounted for trainees so check it out at sirweb.org if you're not already a member i highly recommend that you don't have to be fully committed to a career in ir to learn and take advantage of the learning resources on their site there are just a wealth of resources there And there's even an online message board where you can peek in, you can take part in the discussion and the controversies sometimes, or you can just learn about the clinical management and some of the current controversies in IR. So that's called SIR Connect uh, is that message board where you can actually connect with other IRs around the country and even around the world. It's a resource I use when I have a clinical question that's kind of uh, or a conundrum. But as you know, this isn't a podcast just for interventional radiologists, and I recently joined the Association of Women Surgeons uh, because I wanted to see what I could learn from my surgical colleagues. So if you haven't checked them out, they offer a great free resource called The Pocket Mentor. And this is a book which, which you can get electronically and completely for free, and it contains phenomenal life and career advice. So again, it's called The Pocket Mentor. It's an electronic book that you can access completely for free on the website of the Association of Women Surgeons. Because we all save lives, we have that in common. So we're not, when we're not saving lives in a literal sense, we are doing what we can to alleviate suffering and improve the quality of people's lives. And that is a massive mission and something that I strive to do for pretty much the rest of my life. And um, it's something we have in common in the procedurally oriented fields of medicine. So in that vein, this week, I'm sharing from chapter four of my book, which bears the same title as this podcast, if you didn't know by now. The book is also called Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own, Finding Your Place in Medicine. And so I'll read beginning on page 51 in case you want to follow along and scribble notes in the margin as we talk today. I'm literally reading from a paper copy here so just bear with me as we've discussed many proceduralists and surgeons learn to diagnose problems and fix them sometimes the problem at hand can be life-threatening being on staff at a trauma center I attend to emergencies regularly a common call might involve a motorcycle accident with a pelvic crush injury for example IRs like myself are often involved when injuries like these arise since the affected arteries can be small, difficult to visualize or inaccessible at surgery. That's when angiography, direct imaging of the blood vessels is indicated. Using thin plastic tubes guided by wires, my team and I navigate through the vessels to find the site of bleeding and treat it, injecting surgical gel foam in the affected artery, or sometimes leaving a small metallic coil to block flow permanently. We can often see the effects of our work right away, with the patient's vital signs stabilizing right there on the table. It takes a team of physicians to care for patients like these. Specialists of different stripes use their complementary skills, from the EMTs, emergency medical technicians, and emergency physicians who receive these patients to the trauma surgeons, vascular surgeons and orthopedists. We all work together to save life and limb. When one specialist reaches his or her limit, they can ask the the next person for help. And in the case of trauma care, a partnership between specialists is key to obtaining the best possible outcome for the patient. Making a difference through your work, no matter skills you'll use being able to treat the problems you find is the kind of instant gratification non-procedural docs can only dream of and what could be better than saving a life it's no exaggeration to say that i get to save lives routinely in my work i'll never forget the time i checked on my patient with a bleeding ulcer after our procedure i had blocked off embolized the vessel supplying the ulcer saving his life in the process He was an anxious fellow to begin with, and he was recovering from his near-death experience. As I entered his room in the ICU, he grasped my hand, kissing it repeatedly, proclaiming his love for me in a thick Russian accent as his lovely wife stood by, shaking her head in disbelief and relief. Saving a patient's life has a ripple effect on everyone they know, In this case, on the man's young children who would continue to grow up with a father. The effect you can have on others' lives is part of the magic of these fields that I'm talking about and why we work so hard to master them. But they aren't for everyone, and only you can decide for yourself. Are you willing to come to the bedside at all hours of the day and night? Plenty of emergencies, especially traumas, happen after midnight when the bars close and people's judgment falters. Lola Oladini, MD, MBA, a resident in interventional radiology, reflects on the dichotomy of being on call. It's a privilege to be in the hospital late at night, she says. When I'm walking through empty hallways toward the call room, I feel like a watchman or watchwoman of sorts. It feels like I'm serving so others can have peace and good health. I think service is my calling, so I usually don't mind. Of course, I still get tired and occasionally frustrated with calls as a resident. As you consider whether you want to include emergencies in your career, you should be aware of some myths surrounding certain specialties, especially the traditionally male-dominated and procedural fields. A common one is that women shouldn't go into these fields because of the lifestyle. Ironically, some suggest women should avoid fields that involve waking up in the middle of the night. Meanwhile, traditional female roles such as motherhood require waking frequently throughout the night. If your ideal life doesn't include waking up in the middle of the night, you might want to avoid emergency call, and newborns for that matter. Ultimately. These big decisions are up to you as an individual. In this day and age, they shouldn't hinge on your gender. I would love to hear what you think about this passage. You can leave a comment on the podcast or the blog anytime, so please feel personally invited to do that. I really thrive on your feedback because it helps me focus on what's most relevant for you as you start your career. And that's the whole purpose of this platform. At the end of this chapter, chapter four, we have our Spill Your Guts session, and I'd like to share my perspective. I hope you really dig into these questions, by the way. Um, I, I really think they can help you if you take the time to just scribble in a journal now and then. So the second question at the end of uh, uh, chapter four prompts you to reflect on whether you've seen a patient die and how it made you feel. Or maybe it's possible that you've seen someone pass outside of the medical context. As you consider whether you'll save lives for a living, it's important to take this time to reflect on experiences like these. Witnessing sickness or death might inspire your medical or STEM career. Or understandably, experiences like this could throw you off or really challenge you. That's completely human and understandable. My colleague lost a patient on the table recently. It was an unlucky scenario that we encounter all the time. Uh, We take care of a lot of dialysis patients, along with trauma patients and cancer patients. And commonly, a patient will be scheduled for a fistulogram or a dialysis catheter. And sometimes with a delay in scheduling and a couple of sessions of missed dialysis or the patient couldn't catch a ride, the patient's potassium can get dangerously high. Sometimes this can happen quickly, even without any sort of delay. High potassium, also known in the medical context as hyperkalemia, hyperkalemia is what some people say, uh, it can cause abnormal heart rhythms and the patient can code on the table It's a very dangerous situation. And add to that the fact that we need to put a wire down to put a catheter into the patient's right heart. Uh, The wire can actually tickle the right heart and cause an arrhythmia, especially in the setting of hyperkalemia. Uh, In this case, the patient had an arrhythmia before my colleague even had a chance to put a wire down. So the patient was really sick. Our job as IRs, or sometimes as vascular surgeons, is to place a temporary dialysis catheter as quickly and as safely as possible so the patient can get emergent dialysis. But this patient coded before my colleague could place the device. So know that if you strive to save lives, you won't be able to save everyone. You'll need to take care of yourself around this dilemma. It takes a lot of strength and resilience, which you might naturally possess, But in my opinion, you can cultivate these things as well. Taking on this challenge can be a really heavy decision and that's why I wrote this book for you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Be sure to head to tiredsuperheroine.com for more inspired content. Uh, You may know that I've been writing there for over two years now. So there's lots of career building advice and talking about what it's like to be a woman in a male dominated field who gets up in the middle of the night sometimes to save lives. After listening to this particular podcast episode, I suggest you find the blog post called, thanks for saving my life. I think you can actually link to it from the main, the homepage. And in that post, I talk about the astounding miracle and the incredible experience it can be when things go right. And you get to help a patient during their time of a life-threatening crisis. I really hope you like that post. It meant a lot to me to uh, work through my feelings and write them out there. And I know that if you continue on this path, you're going to have experiences like that too. I really hope you found this episode helpful. And if you did, please help me find more ears to listen to this podcast. How can you do that? Well, if you like the podcast, consider leaving a five star review and consider sharing it with a friend. I really appreciate it. So until next time, I will talk to you soon. Hey friend, and welcome back to the Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Barbara Hamilton an interventional ninja in southern california mom to a three-year-old angel a wife a practice leader and now a podcaster i began recording this on a sunday on call so that day i went into the hospital to decompress a gallbladder for a patient with cholecystitis and this week has been an absolute deluge of patients my friday was filled with angiograms and embolization cases I had two trauma patients during the day, and by the time I was done with my interventional cases, I needed to jump onto the packs to help read diagnostic images for a few hours because we are shorthanded right now. Our practice is having some growing pains, actually. So I was chipping in when I diagnosed an arterial bleed in the small bowel. So that meant at 9pm when I was meant to go home as I had planned, I stayed to do one more embolization case. Suffice it to say, it's been a full throttle week and I love having an occupation that still challenges me almost a decade in. It really is a joy to leave the house and rise to challenges day after day and return home feeling like I've done something every day to help alleviate suffering or even to help treat a life threatening condition. It's been really fun to work with my teammates lately too. A couple of the techs are still new and it's fun to see them picking up more knowledge and picking up the pace. They are really like my extra set of hands. They're like a surgical first assist in my practice and in many practices like mine. It's fun to banter together during cases and they really are there to share the joy and the pain of each day as we problem solve together. With that, let's get to episode seven of the podcast. This episode features chapter five of the book, which as you all know, has the same name as this podcast. It's called Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own with the subtitle, Finding Your Place in Medicine. Um, Chapter five is actually entitled, Welcome to Challenge. Many of you may already be acquainted with the challenge of pre-medical studies and medical school but here's an excerpt in which I talk about the challenge of caring for the very sickest of patients i'm going to be reading to you from page 73 to 76 beyond the steep learning curve of training practicing as an attending is a challenge too patients are sicker than they've ever been as they live longer and accumulate comorbidities beyond their complexity sick sick people can be difficult and it can take an emotional toll. Recently, I had a patient with peritoneal carcinomatosis who was extremely uncomfortable. A gynecologic malignancy had spread to stud and coat the lining of her abdomen as it filled with fluid compressing her organs and bowel. This process can even cause bowel obstruction. I proposed an ultrasound guided paracentesis to remove some of the fluid from her abdomen with the aim of relieving some discomfort. This normally straightforward procedure became difficult as she was obese and we couldn't see much aside from her solid pelvic masses. I couldn't seem to find a window to place my synthesis needle. During this process, she complained the entire time. Finally, she refused the procedure and went for a follow-up CT, which is a computed tomography scan. To our surprise, it actually showed massive free air, likely a rupture of her previously distended colon. Well, I was really relieved I hadn't attempted a procedure on her, lest I be blamed for causing her intestinal perforation. The incident reminded me that no matter how challenging patients can be, we must remain, we must maintain the utmost professionalism and do our best. If I had gotten flustered or been hasty, I could have made a mistake or attempted a procedure of marginal safety. Paradoxically, the encounter left me feeling really grateful. Taking care of the sickest patients is a gift, which has provided me an impetus to grow as a physician time and time again. Situations like these push me to communicate better, be more compassionate, and hone my skills every day. That said, daily encounters with sick patients can lead to emotional fatigue, even exhaustion, for some healthcare workers. For some patients, it's possible that nothing you do could possibly alleviate their suffering, let alone make them happy with your care. As physicians, we must realize that the patients we see may be going through some of the toughest moments of their lives. Beyond maintaining an awareness of the stresses involved in such work, we must take care of ourselves intentionally, taking the time we need to recharge, complete life maintenance activities, and to simply rest. These are simple ways in which you can, quote, refill your cup as a physician. Despite the sometimes blistering pace of training, it's important to create a sustainable schedule once you become an attending. Otherwise, it can be easy to get overwhelmed by clinical demands. The next section is titled, The Challenge Bonds You to Your Family in Medicine. One of the upsides of the challenge in medicine is the camaraderie that often comes with them. Because members of your specialty share many of the same joys and pitfalls as you do, they can understand you in a way that others simply can't. When I curse under my breath, securing a difficult access in a tortuous vessel, my first assist is right there with me, sharing the pleasure and the pain. When your team completes a complex case with the help of a seamless communication scheme, you might feel as though you're part of a force larger than yourself. On the other hand, when a delay in patient transport means the whole team goes home late, you share in the frustration. In reality, the stressors in medicine extend beyond the threat of disease or complication to include increasing administrative oversight, decreased autonomy, and political and financial challenges. As you face these obstacles together, the relationships with your medical family members grow and develop. Dr. Annie Gill shares her own experience of bonding with her work family. She says, quote, challenging cases, patients, and life circumstances have bonded me to my people in medicine. This includes the technologists, schedulers, nurses, and of course, my fellow physicians. I feel supported by a truly wonderful team that is more like a family than friends. We always watch out for one another and try to give consistent answers to questions or consults in order to provide one another with support. We celebrate wins together and cry together when things do not go as we'd hoped. This group did not come together quickly nor by chance. It was carefully chosen. The relationships have developed over time and through our experiences together. It was such an honor to interview Dr. Gill for this book. (laughs) And when it comes to the spill your guts section of chapter five, my favorite question is this. What concerns do you have around work-life balance as you become or contemplate becoming a proceduralist or surgeon? Heck, I dedicated my whole blog to this question. (laughs) So while some people may take issue with the wording I'm using, uh, some people debate whether work-life balance is a valid term or whether you prefer a different phrase. Some people say work-life integration is a better term or simply whether you use the word balance. I think you get my point. This topic is the entire theme of my blog that I started in 2018, and that can be found at TiredSuperHeroine.com. The whole reason I started to write there was to share what it was like to actually be a woman in a field like mine. Uh, There were too few role models at a time in which I was choosing my career, and I know this problem persists for a lot of you to this day. What does work-life integration actually look like? Well, that was a mystery to me as i trained to save life and limb in my specialty i knew i would figure it out i would figure out some sort of balance even if i didn't have a female template to model myself after my main concerns centered around feeling like a martyr i didn't want to feel used up by my work i wanted my work to be a vehicle for fulfillment and purpose but also a vehicle to give me back the kind of steady support and lifestyle that I wanted for my life as well. I came from humble beginnings and I wanted to be more financially stable than my parents were. But I didn't want to work so much either that there was no time left to enjoy my life or my earnings. So, hence the title of the book, Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own. It's really become a mantra. Uh, Don't get me wrong, in fellowship there was little balance, so there's a season for everything. Um, And actually having very little free time in fellowship allowed me to live in an expensive city for fellowship, so I went to UCLA. I lived in Los Angeles for the year with my significant other at the time, now my husband. And the fact that there was limited time for leisure and spending was actually helpful, and we even saved a little bit of money that year. There were times to relax. I could relax on certain rotations during which the day tended to end a little bit earlier than others. And I could relax on weekends when I wasn't on call. But on some rotations at the main hospital, I might not make it home until 11 p.m. And so this made for a very intense year of professional growth. And I can say I'm so grateful for it. Of course, I'm seven years later now, but even then I was so grateful for it. I wouldn't call what I had that year work life balance. There definitely is a time for intense training, and thankfully, training is finite. So, you may relate to this, whether you're in medicine or not, you know, you may have an intense period in which you're cutting your teeth and really, really learning or really putting your nose to the grindstone. Um, and you may have some analogous situation. So, I'm curious. Feel free to reach out and let me know. Once you're an attending, you're a physician on your own, then there's the rest of your life. And um, also that's parallel with some other fields. So it's up to you to pick a job in a situation that suits you and the kind of life that you would like to live. There are lots of choices. You know, there are lots of jobs out there. Feel free to reach out to me if you ever want to clarify the spill your guts questions that you find in the book Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own. Feel free to shoot me an email at TiredSuperHeroine at gmail or you can send me a direct message on social media. If you're on my email list, please feel free to respond to those emails. I love hearing from you and it also prevents those emails from going to your spam inbox. I would love to hear your responses to those questions and your experiences if you care to share them. I hope that these questions really drum up some introspection and um, you know, some insight that you're holding within. Before I let you go, I wanted to let you know I'm working on the beta release, meaning the first ever iteration of my first digital course, which is called Broke to Breadwinner and Beyond. I'm in heavy content creation mode for this course for the next few months, and you can jump on board to get all my best strategies when you sign up right now. So if you'd like to do that, head to the sidebar of the blog on a desktop uh, computer, you can go to tiredsuperheroine.com forward slash blog, Or go to tiredsuperheroine.com and click on the menu to take you to the blog and on the side there when you're in a blog post you can see uh, the link to get to the course which is on the thinkific platform or you can simply google broke to breadwinner and beyond and on the course page you can see uh, it's best if you google broke to breadwinner thinkific and on the course page you can actually see all the lessons that are planned, what they're all about. And you can even sign up to view the first lesson absolutely for free. All you need to do is enter your email there. So I hope you have a fantastic week. And don't forget to check out the blog, check out the course, and don't forget to enjoy your own.